mathematics. I, I did, yeah, pure mathematics, physics, and chemistry, with the idea that um, I wanted to go into medical school. Look, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, I know you're over here. You're over here on vacation. Is yeah. a vacation? Is it really just vacation? Yeah, it's just a vacation. Where are you living now? Uh, in Bangkok. In Bangkok. I retired uh, from full-time school administration. Officially, I retired in July 2020. Uh, okay. But then I couldn't actually leave Hong Kong at that time. Okay. Um, because the borders in Thailand were not open. Okay. And also because the new in incoming principal couldn't get into Hong Kong. So, so you were your principal of that school for how long? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Prior to that? I was um, eight years in, in mainland China. And seven. you were principal of that school as well? Yeah, the founding principal at both. Wow. Established. My goodness. New schools. You, the, you did more than two or just yeah. the two? No, I, I, in China I did um, actually two and a half. <laughs> um, I was hired to... You know, to, to set up one school, okay. um, but then <clears throat> they were establishing another school in the next province. Mm -hmm. But the the lady who they hired for that um, couldn't. She didn't. She never arrived. Okay. Um, she had to take um, you know, leave of absence, and then basically just backed out. Uh, her mother was really ill, so she um, stayed in the UK to take care of her mom. So I was sort of shuttling backwards and forwards. You know, it, it was the year before the school actually admitted students, and so. Um, it, there's a lot of admin stuff that you have to do that needs to be there before you can actually start re recruiting students. You know, you have to get a, a website and brochures and um, you know the curriculum outline and, and the policies and the procedures and, and everything and hiring teachers and staff. So I was doing that for both schools. You know, basically they were the same. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, um, just changed the name of the school, but everything else was the same. Um, and then in Changsha, which was where I w was living. Um, the capital of Hunan province. You know, um, that's where Chairman Mao is hailing from, hailed from, I should say. Um, the government was building, they, they built a school because they were trying to attract foreign investment. And um, they had seen how it was done in, in Suzhou. And um, so they sort of connected with the Suzhou Singapore International School. Um, and that was who hired me and I sort of did a little bit of training there first of all before moving to Changsha um, and the school building was brand new I mean again it would, during my first year there it was still being built mm -hmm. and um, it was designed for like 600 students. Was this a privately owned school or was this a school that was run by the government? It was not run by the government it, like I say it was built by the government because they wanted to um, attract foreign investment okay. but it was uh, actually a, a, a Singapore based um, international education services okay. sort of uh, company mm -hmm. that were uh, associated with uh, Suzhou Singapore International School as well and so they they were like the management um, you know financial part backers you know okay. um, they provided I guess the software and the government provided the hardware okay so we, you know, we started with four, four children, only four. Would you end up with? Um, well, when I left, there was still less than 100, about, about 98. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to, um, you know, we were under pressure from the government. Um, so we actually started a local bilingual school to share the campus. Mm -hmm. And it, it, was, it was an interesting um, 
concept because in China there are lots of um, local schools that have an international section and ours was like you know the other way around <coughs> we were an international school with a local section and that was actually really attractive to a lot of families because we, it was more of an international feel and an international setup. It, you know, it was really quite different from the local school with a, a small, you know, one class of um, exactly. international kids. Mm. And that now is is you know much bigger. I think there are about 300 students in that section and 150 in the international section. Well, let's get back to where you were starting. Let's start off from the beginning. And I want to thank you for coming. <laughs> we had to do that. Thank you for coming because this is the second time we're doing this because I actually turned off the cameras. Shall I leave that part in? I'm not sure. Anyway, David, where were you born? I was born in Rotherham in Yorkshire, okay. which nobody could ever tell from my accent. Um, but you know, I, I never wait, lived. Wait, wait, wait. Is it really hard? Is the accent really colloquial? Um, or is your accent, is that the same accent they would have? Well, no. I, I never lived in one house in England longer than three years. We moved around, so I never picked up a regional accent. Okay, but the regional accent there is real. It's quite strong. It's strong, okay. yeah. All right. All right. If I talk like my granddad did, you know, he would talk a bit like this. Okay. <laughs> now, do you so. do you have many siblings? I have a, a a sister who's eighteen months older than me. Okay. Um, but my mother died when I was seven. She had breast cancer, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and so my dad felt, you know, the need to have a, a mother, wife, uh, as well. Okay. Um, so he remarried a couple of years later, and they had a child. But you and your sister are from the same mother and father? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my, my half-brother is uh, you know, same father, different mother. So I, was, I think I was like 10 years old when he was born. Are, you guys, are so. any of your siblings close with you? Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my sister and I have always been close, despite the fact that we, we fought like anything. When, particularly you know, when we were at school and living t together. Um, oh, that was... That was yeah. But then country. after I left, you know, I, I mean, I... Uh, um, I left England when I was you know, 20, 22, just, just turned 22, okay. graduated from university and then uh, uh, came to Japan for a year. <laughs> this, wait, your first place outside of England was Japan? Yeah. To do what? Um, I got hired um, to teach at a, a language school in Shibuya okay. and uh, they subcontracted sub a lot of their teachers and I was sent down to um, Okayama Prefecture, Kurashikishi, Tamashima. A small little place where there were three other foreigners uh, to work for Sumitomo Heavy Industries as their like resident language, English okay. language teacher. Let's get back to when you were a kid. When you were a kid, what was it like growing up in England? You said you moved around a lot. Yeah, a lot. What was it like for you? Because you mean, you have memories of your mother. She died very when you were little, okay. very little. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you, me memory is a funny thing. You know, you know, you see pictures and particularly like photographs um, sort of bring back you know some of those memories so you know I've, we've got you know photographs as, uh, as, as you know small children uh, with mom and dad there going on holiday to uh, to Skegness and to uh, Blackpool and places like that mm -hmm. but um, yeah I, I didn't really I think one of the challenges for me particularly was that I, I didn't really develop friendships um, until I guess I was in upper secondary school. Okay. Um, we call that middle school. Yeah. yeah. After yeah. Mid the middle high school. school. Okay, middle high yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. Were you more academic or were you more sports-minded as a kid? Um, <laughs> as a lot of people say, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I, I did, I did so much. I mean, I don't remember studying. Okay. 
Um, Could you get I mean, good I did, grades? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, did, I always did okay, and which drove, drove my sister crazy because, you know, she really had to study hard to, to pass exams and stuff, and I would, you know, sort of read something the night before and then pass, you know. But you like reading? I like reading, yeah. Um, I, was, I mean, for, for a while, when I was, um, what, about, what, 16, I think? Um, you know, in, in England, you, you do primary school, um, Oops, sorry, no, okay. you do primary school, and then secondary school starts from 11, okay. um, and it's sort of 11 to 16, and at the end of that period, you, we did what were called O-levels, ordinary levels, um, GCSE, and then two years of uh, high school, the last two years of high school is like the, um, yeah, a little bit like the IB diploma, um, uh, and AP courses, it's uh, A-levels, advanced okay. levels. Yes. So when I was selecting um, courses to do for A level, um, I, I I did pure mathematics. I did yeah pure mathematics, physics and chemistry, with the idea that um, I wanted to go into medical school. And then um, wait, 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 what did your father do? He was an electrical engineer. Okay. Yeah, Were you close with your dad? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Yeah, he was you know he was he was a bit of a taskmaster. And, uh, As most parents were in those yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So anyway. Um, so you went, you, went, you went in school studying those subjects because you wanted to become a doctor? Right. But then when I started investigating medical schools, they all said, um, but you don't have biology. And I said, well, okay. Well, I didn't know I needed biology at the time. Because you know, two years previously, mm -hmm. when you were choosing the subjects for O-level, um, if you wanted to do all three sciences, uh, biology, physics, and chemistry, you had to have a letter from your parents explaining why. And what was that? Really? What was uh, that? They, they they wanted people to have a more holistic, um, broad um, range of subjects. No, but I'm asking, why do you have to have permission from your parents to study those subjects? Well, when you're 14, um, because you know, basically you're, you know, huh? your parents are still the your guardians and so yeah but um, what about the, okay all right go on they, they, they just you know I, as right. I said the school wanted people to have a, a broader range they didn't want people sort of just focusing on uh, in, you know a, um, a narrow band of, of subject there okay so and you know so I, I didn't take that because so you didn't want to get the permission um I, I didn't even think about I mean I, I had no idea what I was going to do okay. in terms of a career at that stage okay. Um, because I, I was, I was into everything. Okay. I was in, <coughs> I was in the church choir. I was in, uh, I was taking piano lessons and French horn lessons. I was in the school orchestra. I was in the the local um, Salvation Army band. Um, I played in a private badminton club. I was on pretty much a, a school team every season. You know, so I played rugby. I did cross country. Um, so, what resonated most with you now that you look back? Which are the ones that you enjoy? Well, I, badminton was the one that I, I continued uh, right through university, and I, you know, I joined national tournaments. Uh, you know, played for my region, uh, played against the world number one. Back in when? Uh, when I was at university. What year? Oh my God! Because uh, we're going to look it up. Um, <laughs> Ru Rudy Hartono. Rudy Hartono. Yeah. And Indonesian. David Priest will be on there. We'll see that. You played against him. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I tried to find, you know, the information of the tournament but they, they only keep you know they keep records of who won and the winners, run, the winners up <laughs> okay. but you know first first round when you you lose 15-1 15-1 is that what it was yeah it's like okay but at least you got there <laughs> but you did I didn't get say there. One, I won points right 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 so I think he was just you know playing around with me <laughs> but uh, yeah 
it was uh, that's interesting so yeah, so that, that's what your schooling was like so basically yeah. and then so when you finished high school well when you finished your I didn't your A levels you didn't finish A levels <laughs> no I, I I didn't finish those three courses right. because when I found out that I, I needed biology and I went to the you know careers person at the uh, at the sixth form college that, where I was at and um, and they said well it doesn't fit into your schedule so what you will have to do is you'll have to take another year um, you know and, and do just biology the next year or you know I'm sort of thinking okay well medical school is already six years you know <laughs> an additional six and, years and, right. and another year and it's like uh, and, and I was already um, to be honest I was already um, <coughs> struggling with uh, with calculus it was a little bit too conceptual for me so um, <laughs> I decided instead to do um, pure maths and applied maths, both mathematical courses and, and music. So, um, you know, and the, <laughs> the head of the music department sort of, you know, rolled his eyes. Um, you know, I, I'd done O-level music, um, but, um, you know, it was already, I don't know, I think it was like September or October by the time, and so the course had already started. And one of the requirements for uh, A-level music is you have to do um, a performance examination at, at what was called grade six. Um, and I had done grades one, two, and three when I was younger. And then when we moved, um, you know, I continued to take piano lessons, but I didn't really want to be, you know, sort of stuck in that cycle of practicing and, and performing only the, the, you know, the pieces and the, and the exercises for that exam and then onto the next exam and then onto the next exam. I, I wanted to broaden my, uh, my repertoire. So, you know, that's what I said to the music teacher. And so we played lots of different stuff. So I, I had continued to do, you know, quite well with the, with the piano. But do you still play piano? Can you um, still play? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I taught music in Ishimachi as oh, well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you were just PE, physical education. Yeah, no. I, I, what, subjects did you teach, what subjects did you teach in Ishimachi while you were there? Um, basically just PE and music. Okay. But I, didn't, I never knew that. You were the music teacher. Yeah, second, uh, middle school music. For a few years, okay. Um, yeah, and then because uh, before that I was at St. Joseph International School, right. and I was hired there to be the, uh, the music teacher. <coughs> and then how, long, I, how long were you hired? Yeah. I was there for, uh, gosh, two and a half years. Was that just before they closed? A, a, a little bit, a little bit earlier than that. Okay. Um, right. A few years before. Right. Um, and then I went into believe it or not that's when I first met English. you that's when I first met you oh, really? think about it you took me into your gym which was a cubicle it was like a squash ball court yeah yeah you took me in there I remember now for some reason you took me in there to show it to me because they wanted me to have my program that's there. right because we were talking about buying um, mats oh wow can you, <laughs> can you believe that it just hit me yeah so that that's was like, like, like 19, 1989 that's right, that's right exactly like that. that's yeah. when I first met you oh wow right there at St. Joseph's yeah and you yeah. took me in there and said well this is our gym and I said you got to how can you guys it wasn't even half a court yeah and I was only <laughs> teaching um, a, a couple of classes of PE right, at that stage right, right. Um, because I was I was hired as a part-time uh, music teacher and part-time eighth grade that's teacher right. Yes. Because the eighth grade teacher, who was a, um, a brother, um, you know, he, he was um, he had Parkinson's disease okay, and right. couldn't continue. So mm -hmm. I, I <laughs> they asked, you know, with my name being priest, you know, can you teach religion? <laughs> Did you teach religion? I, no. Okay. I, I said no. I know I can't do that. Okay. 
Wow. So. Well, that is interesting how that comes about. Yeah. The things that were Because I said, you see, for me, so that's probably when I met you in Nishimachi. I'm good with faces. Mm. Bad mm. with names. It used to be. I'm getting better now <laughs> because I have Miko beside me. Anyway, <laughs> that's when we first met because I remember it went through my head. Yeah, I was yeah. selling master schools. Yeah, now I remember. That's right. Yeah, you sure. Yeah, so getting back to uh, to high school. Um, yeah, I, so I, I dropped physics and chemistry and just and added music, and <coughs> I had to do my grade six piano, and you know the the head of the um, the music department there was you know, he was really you know, very worried because he said you know unless you pass your grade six you know we can't enter you for A level music, so. Um, now, what, what grade are you in now? When this is happening, are you at your last? This is in school, right? So yeah, this is like, so like at 17, 16, 17. Okay, okay, okay. Your, your final year then? Uh, penult penultimate year. Yeah. Okay, yes. And uh, and because this, the school entered me for the exam for the grade six exam, um, because uh, like I said, it was a requirement for A level music, and so he got the result and he called me into the office one day. He said, uh, "Priest, <coughs> you need to come into my office. I have something to tell you." You know, I said, okay. And he said, you know, and you remember, um, I told you that it's a requirement that you pass grade six um, in order to pass, uh, in order to get into um, register for the A-level music. And I said, yes. You know, I'm starting to get worried. And he says, you never told me that you could get a distinction. <laughs> you were that good. I'd, I'd been playing piano for, you know, seven or eight years at that stage. So, the, you know. So it, he had no clue. He had no clue. No, because I told him, yeah, I, I passed grade three, you know, a few yeah, years ago. That's what you see, right, right. Yeah, you know, there's a big jump. Right, right. So. And you passed with distinction. Yeah. Wow. So what happened? What happened after that? So then, um, yeah, I mean, I was still doing, you know, loads and loads of different things. I, I even joined, you know, the drama club as well. It was like, like I, said, I, I don't remember studying, which is probably why I, I, I was really no good at calculus. Okay. I mean, I barely scraped through A-level uh, mathematics. And you said at the beginning that you didn't have a lot of friends. I don't know, not until, yeah, you got until I was about 16, yeah, 15, yeah, yeah. 16. Okay, right. so by because then I was, uh, even though we, we, we moved house twice in Barnstable in North Devon, um, at least, you know, it, it was the same town. Okay. But previously, we'd moved different, you know, different cities, different towns, and so it was like, you know. But why did you do that? Your father's job again was. He was an electrical engineer, and then he went back to to, to school and um, became a, a lecturer in electrical engineering at a like a technical school, technical college. Okay, so he'd go around different places and lecture to them. No, no, no. Um, he said lecturer. He, yeah, lecturer, like lecturer, a professor. Right, yeah. Yeah. No, he. You know, again, he, he was applying for a higher level position and moved to a different location to, to, to get that right. experience. Right. So, yeah, so then applying for universities um, and I applied to do PE and music as a joint major. And there were only three universities in, in the whole of the UK that offered it. There was um, London University, which is you know, where I ended up going, and Loughborough University, and um, Exeter, uh, St. St. Luke's, like St. Luke's Exeter. Um, and I went to uh, Loughborough because it was sort of like, you know, everybody said, oh, it's the best, you know, they, the best PE program in the world, you know, and like Sebastian Coe um, mm -hmm. graduated from there, and, you know, some really famous athletes. Had a but, good alumni. But, yeah, but they were so arrogant. You know, what, oh, what's your main sport? Badminton. Oh, you know. 
If it wasn't cricket, you weren't anyone. Well, <laughs> athletics, rugby, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the main sports. So I just didn't like it. Um, oh, really? So how long did you just uh, No, I, no, I, I, for the interview. Okay. I, you, know, you were invited for an interview. And, um, and so I went to London University, mm-hmm. uh, Nonington College of Physical Education. And how'd you, how'd you fare there? Yeah, I did, I did okay. Okay. Um, it was, a, um, it was a, actually a, a certificate of education program because in those days, um, I would say, you know, 95% of teachers didn't have a university degree. They, they went to teach a training college um, and, get, and got a certificate in education. And then um, they, they tried to sort of, you know, upgrade. Um, and so they started a Bachelor of Education degree. Um, and so I, in normally in England, um, a certificate of education, an undergraduate degree is just three years. So I finished my certificate and then I applied to do a fourth year as a Bachelor of Education Honours degree uh, for the one year extra. So I, I stayed and did that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, then I... Um, got the job with Mitsubishi? Uh, well, no, I got the job for this language school in, in Shibuya. With whom? It was a language, an English okay, language okay, school. Okay, right. And they sent me to work for Sumitomo Heavy Industries. Sumitomo, okay. Yeah. And I got on really well there. Normally people were only, you know, sent down for two, 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 and a three, two or three months. Um, and I ended up like spending like almost nine months there. And, because uh, they kept on requesting you. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was happy because, you know, they put me up in a dormitory and um, I was teaching English from 5.15 to 7.15 and 7.30 to 9.30. So two two-hour classes, five days a week. And that was it. That was it? Yeah. You had your weekends off? Weekends off, daytime off. So, um, you know, they had a piano. Uh, I would go p- practice the piano, a little mini golf course. They put you in a dorm and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I had breakfast and, and dinner in, in the dorm. So I was, you know, I was doing quite well because some people who were working in the language school in Tokyo, you know, they were struggling to, you know, to make ends meet Brilliant. because, you know, they had to pay for their transportation and all the food and rent. So, you know, I sort of was doing okay. So what did you do after the nine months there? Well, <coughs> the... Uh, their CEO there um, had worked in England for a, f- a number of years and he loved to practice his English with me especially you know um, like in, in the bath the public bath uh, in the dorm you know he'd say oh you know David let's go let, let's go and have a bath which is you know it, it's you know that's what they do in Japan and then um, there was a bar um, in the town that he, in the town the village it really was right. and there was a Philippine girl uh, who worked in that bar it's one of the other th- three uh, other foreigners who lived in that town uh, called Daisy so um, you know so we could chat in English okay. so we, we went there at least once a week uh, and and then he you know he was bending my ear about you know what's how are the students doing to, you know with their English and, and whatever and I said yeah you know it's, it's good but you know I, I'm I feel that there are other needs that um, you know that they have that are not really being met, such as writing, okay. English writing, because quite a number of them were um, dealing with subcontracts and you know having to send faxes and you know instruction manuals and things, and they were asking me to check and proofread those things. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm not really supposed to do this, but you know, if, if you bring it to English class, we can use it as material for the English class. Um, so anyway, so. Um, one day he invited me to the bar and uh, said, oh, you know, these two people have come from the head office in, uh, in Nihama, which is on Shikoku. Right. And uh, you know, we were just chatting away. And, uh, and then, you know, the next day he said, 
they want to offer you a job. And I said, what, what do you mean? I said, hire you directly. Okay. <laughs> to do the so that was thing. the interview. <laughs> to do the same thing. Well, yeah, to, to, to employ me as the on-site language, language teacher. So um, at the end of my contract with the language school, I went back to England armed with a, a contract to work for Sumitomo directly. Um, and you know, came back business class, thank you, Sumitomo. And uh, you know, got a, a big increase in salary. And, but I, and then I was basically working full time. In Shikoku? Yeah, in no, in uh, in in the same place in Tamashima. Same place, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, oh I get But it. I was okay. I was teaching, you know, I, I kept the classes, the English language have? classes, in the afternoon. But during the daytime, I would go around. Um, I was sort of officially in the HR department, so quite often they would have you know visiting foreign um, engineers. Okay. Um, particularly, you know, they had a number of subcontracting uh, agreements with like Sulzer, a big German uh, marine diesel engine producer, and uh, another company, I forget the name, uh, um, paper making company and print making companies and stuff. So you know, they had quite a number of, um, of visits. No and way. so I was sort of then you know, put in charge of taking care of them. Now you hadn't spent a year in Japan, or you just had spent a year? I just spent a year. A year, yeah. a year. Were you studying Japanese at the same time? Uh, a little bit um, <laughs> in that first year. So how did you fare when you came back? You have to start taking care of all these guys, not just for you. You have to translate this back to not so much. Oh really? Um, so who's yeah. doing that? The CEO? No, the. I mean, because some of the students in my um, in my top class had gone to university abroad. Oh. You know, okay. so they so were, you know, really, you know, pretty much like bilingual. Okay. But they wanted to continue to, to study and uh, continue so they to basically use their wanted English. to make sure you stayed English. Yeah. They didn't want you to start trying to adapt. Oh no no no! Oh, you mean like in the in the language classes right. and stuff? Um, yeah yeah. I mean the, the language classes. I, I was only speaking English. Only in English, right? Yeah. So they didn't ex require you to do any real translation. No no no, not, not, there. not there. But then, like I said, in when I was taking people visitors like around the the, right. the plant, you know, I, I picked up enough Japanese to be able to ask questions and sort of do you know some simple translation of stuff like that. I see. Um, because you know, I was living in a dormitory where nobody spoke English right. for, for you know three years basically. How many people were in that dormitory? About a hundred. Well, there were two actual two sections. Okay. There was the single section and the married section. Okay. And um, I was put in the married section um, because the rooms were bigger and. But no one spoke English in the married section. Almost. Well, none of the staff, none of the course. Staff, okay. um, some of my students were in the dormitory, so okay. you know in. At the weekend, you know, sometimes I would, uh, you know, we would get together and, and you know, play tennis. Or I was on their rugby team. I played tennis. I was on their cross country team. <laughs> you, do, you 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 continue to do what you did back in school. Yeah, yeah. Be a jack of all trades, but I would venture to say a master of many. <laughs> so so you went from there. You stayed there for how long? Did you stay with them? So I I I was there in the end three years. I did a two year contract um, when I was working directly for them. And what happened? But by well. Be <laughs> Yeah, you know, timing is everything in life, right? But um, pretty much as soon as I'd started that second year, well, let me go back. During my first year, <laughs> um, a good friend of mine from college um, got a job teaching at a language school in, in Tokyo. And, you know, she wrote me and sort of said, you know, David, you know, can you find out, you know, what is this, you know, uh, language school like? It, it's associated with the British Council um, in, in Tokyo. 
And so I sort of you know, went and checked it out and said, yeah, it's, it seems like it's a really good school. So she said, I've been offered a job there, um, you know, so, and because you're in Tokyo, you know, I thought it would be great, you know, to go somewhere where at least I know somebody. So she came to Tokyo. Um, so then, you know, pretty much whenever I had a chance, I would come to Tokyo and we would spend time together. Because okay. I was about to say, you weren't in Tokyo. No. You were in Shikoku. Uh, in, no, in Okayama. 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 Yeah, right. Okayama. Okay. And it was at, at one of her language school's parties okay. that I met Yoshihiro, who, um, you know, was my partner for 25 years. Okay, right. So we, um, you know, and as I say, I, that was at the start of my second year. But he's a teacher of St. Moore or YAS? He taught at, um, I got him the job, <laughs> introduced okay. him to um, St. Joe's. Oh, so he St. worked at St. Joseph's? Yeah, he was oh, okay. a Japanese language teacher at right. St. Joseph okay. until they closed okay. and then he moved to TIS. Okay. Yeah, TIS. Tokyo International oh. School. Um, yes, that was Pe pa Patrick Newell's Patrick school. Newell's and also his wife, B. B. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so when he died in 2006, you yeah, know, they were sad. just so kind and, you know, they. You know, the, the way that the school celebrated his life TIS? and his, his contribution to yes. TIS, it was just fantastic. Yeah. You know, for you many years? How many years did you work there? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, seven or eight, something like that. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was sad, yeah. yeah. I remember the situation because you came back very distraught. Yeah, yeah. No. So you got your friend in England, you went and checked in Tokyo to see how it was going. It was connected with the British. Concert, right? Yeah, yeah. And you told her, yeah, okay. Yeah, so she came. She came. Yeah. And what happened from there? Well, no, she, she ended up staying in Japan, I think, like five or six years. She met um, a Japanese guy and they got married. And then, uh, like five, six years later, you know, they didn't have children. They wanted to have children, couldn't have children. He just sort of said, look, this is not working. I, you know, I don't love you anymore. We don't have children. I, I'm leaving. Is she by any chance the young lady you brought over to my place when we when I invited you I and the rest of us? I think, I think so. that's who Debbie. you brought over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we having all this in it? <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. I had you come over because I had people I liked, and I wanted them to come over to my home Thank when you. I lived in Master White House. Remember, and I yeah, had yeah. about about eight or nine of us or ten yeah, of us, yeah. I guess there. Yeah. Right. When the boys were young. That's neat. Wow. Anyway, so she came <laughs> over. You were when did so from there. You were at St. Joseph's too, and you stayed there until when? Is um, that where it started? After you left? Oh my gosh. I need, I need my, to see my CV. Right, okay. But from Okiyama, <laughs> with dates, Okiyama yeah. did you start teaching at the schools then? When I, um, when I left Okayama, I moved to Tokyo to, and I stayed with Yoshihiro at his home in Hachioji. Yeah, so, um, and then we, Yoshihiro and I were looking for a place together. Okay. Um, so at that time, because Sumitomo had given me um, an, an extended contract you know, very kindly I sort of said look you know I would like to stay in Japan but I, I sort of need I need to find a job but I can't do anything you know, probably full-time until uh, you, know, you, you transfer the visa etc so they said you know no we can just extend it for another six months so I had you know a work visa still um, and so I, I did a little bit of part-time English language teaching I worked at uh, Bunko Gakuin in uh, Ochanomizu uh, for a while and you know, a couple of other sort of language classes, language schools, uh, until I got this offer at, um, well, until Yoshihiro and I rented a place in Ogikubo okay. because he was still working out in Hachioji. Uh, his uncles um, ran a like, little juku 
Um, <laughs> and then I got the job in Yokohama at St. Joe's. Yeah, just like the month after we'd moved into Ogikubo. Okay. <laughs> so it was quite a long commute. Well, I can imagine. Yeah. So how long did you stay at St. Joseph's? Um, it was basically two and a half years. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was itching to teach PE. Um, so I, as I said, I was hired initially to sort of take over eighth grade and, and do the music program. And then um, uh, Mike Morgan. Okay. Mike Morgan. He, you know, British guy, really nice, um, married to a Japanese. So he wasn't going to go anywhere. So, so I figured, you know, there's not much um, of an opportunity there. And then a guy called Chris Chang um, introduced me you know, to Nishimachi. He said, um, Takeo Tan, Tan, who is a, um, also a St. Joe's graduate, uh, alumni. Um, said, you know, they're, they're, gonna, they're looking for a PE teacher because David Green is going to be taking a, a, a sabbatical. So I said, well, you know, okay, well, that would be good, but I don't really want to do just one year. Right. And uh, Adair Nagata um, interviewed me. I know Adair well. Yeah, and yeah. she said, yeah, well, actually, you know, David's not going to come back to PE if he comes back. You know, he, he never trained as a PE teacher. He was, you know, he was a basketball coach, loved sports, and, you know, cycling and outdoor stuff but you know he wasn't a PE teacher right. so you know they were looking for somebody to really develop the PE program yeah. so and you did that you did yeah. it well yeah you did it well it was easy to work with you because I had a program there during your time too yeah yeah and you're really pleasant to work with because I have to work with so many different people in the administrations in the administration no I like I like looking at the helicopters up there so those of you that can't see up like Dave and I can there's a helicopter because we're outside yeah. Of the American Club. We're at the American Club, but we're outside. Beautiful day today. Yeah. They have perfect a huge, they have a yeah, perfect blue sky, not a cloud to be seen. We have Tokyo Tower to the right of us, and we have the brand new Moribill being built up here, which I'll show you a picture of eventually. But it's just a beautiful day, and a helicopter that's actually just flying around it because it's basically showing what Mori's doing in this area. Uh -huh. And I'm sure it's for them, yes. Yeah, yeah. The way they're hovering Probably, yeah. over the area. So if you hear that in some of the background, don't worry about it. It comes with being a podcaster. Anyway, <laughs> so, so go on. So you ended up in Nishimachi. You developed a fantastic PE program. Yeah, and I became uh, athletic director, middle sure school did. coordinator, yes. vice principal for one year. You sure were. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I applied for the head of school position a couple of times and uh, right. didn't get it. You and you know, at the time. You know, of course, you know, you're always frustrated and disappointed. But then, um, you know, I, I think, you know, looking back, hindsight is perfect vision. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't think I was ready, actually, to be a, a head of school at Nishimachi uh, at that time. Um, I think, I was, you know, I was too, too involved in, in how it already was. And so... Um, when Yoshihiro died in 2006, I just sort of felt, okay, I, I should do something different. Um, you know, we had talked about going overseas and, um, you know, for him to teach Japanese and for me to, um, you know, get in an administrative position or PE position somewhere else, but it just never happened. Um, so, you know, it sort of took, took, you know, took the time, uh, applied for jobs and uh, was offered a head of school position in uh, Mombasa in, in Kenya. Right. And um, yeah, that, that was quite a challenge. You know, I think one of the 
one of the difficulties um, anytime you go into a, a well-established school is making change. Change is so difficult to, uh, to, to, to make happen. The school in, in, in Mombasa was, uh, it was a British curriculum school, but they were implementing, they, they had, the board had decided that they were going to implement the um, international primary curriculum in the primary school because you know, they said, we need to modernize. So I did the training in the summer um, with the head of the primary school and, uh, and you know, I was basically tasked with implementing that change in the primary school. And that went down very well. It did. Yeah. Initially, it, it, was, it was hard, but as soon as the teachers started to, to relax and see how the children were enjoying it and having you know, fun with their learning. What do you think helped to make that change? I mean, how do you think you contributed to making that change? What did you do? What did you say? How did you act that made those changes more um, acceptable by the people that had been there? I think it's, it, it was because I was there. I was in the classroom and I would go into the classes every day. I mean, I, I spent more time in the classroom there than I did when I was a full-time teacher. Um, and all of the admin stuff, basically, I, I sort of did you you know, late afternoon and, okay. uh, uh, and after so you school. Were, they couldn't find you in your office. They could find you in the school room. Yeah. And we had a consultant who, who sort of actually, she came and stayed with me. Um, for a couple of months at the very beginning and she was the same you know, in the classroom demonstrating how to you know get the kids involved and the sorts of activities that you can do you know to uh, to have interaction you know instead so of really it being a textbook driven okay. curriculum you were hands-on very hands-on and and I think the uh, it's something that I've always done since then and I think it's something that um, has always been appreciated uh, at least people have said so. <laughs> now, now, when you say that you're hands-on, you were hands-on, but you did not micromanage, I'm assuming. You allowed people to do what they had to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. you have to. Right. You know, I, mean, right. I mean, you can't be in all of the classrooms exactly. all of the time. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, you know, going in and, and, you know, letting them know that um, you appreciate what, what they're doing, the challenge that it is for them. Um, and, you know, we had lots of, um, you know, mini discussions about, you know, so what did you do that worked well today? What did you do that you really, you know, struggled with and had challenges? And they've never been asked that before. Right. Yeah. Just get on with it. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, they've just done the same thing that they've always done. You know, open the books to page thirty-six. You know, do these exercises. You know, that's right. That's wrong. That's right. That's wrong. You know, I mean, that was that was what they had done. They were never encouraged to learn. Right. Not only did they learn, they were teaching the children how to learn. Exactly. That yes. makes a big difference. And. <laughs> The secondary section were as worried as hell because they said, when these children come into our classes, what are we going to do? Because they're going to know more than we do. Well, they're not going to want to just sit and That's right. you know, do exercises and textbooks. 2008, November, December, the, the post-election violence in, in Kenya um, when the, the election was stolen and uh, a lot of the violence in Mombasa was right outside the school. And you know, we lost a couple of staff members that were hacked to death. It, it was all you know, um, racial, you know, the, the, di the different tribal. tribal yeah. It was tribal, yes. Yeah. If you didn't belong to the right if tribe. If you went to Luo, uh, right. you know, the, the ruling class. So um, when you know, we, we actually delayed the start in January because of, um, of, of a lot that happened, 
and um, several, uh, you know, I would say about a third of our families left. Anybody who w was involved in tourism left. If they had money, and you know, they could leave. You know, they, they saw the writing on the wall that um, you know, people were not going to come to Kenya. So restaurants shut down, hotels shut down, um, you know, safari companies, um, scuba diving shops, everything shut down. So, so the you know it was a, uh, the school was actually owned and run by um, a Jain, uh, religious Jain Jainism uh, organization, um, and they had schools in Mombasa um, and in Nairobi. Um, they, they didn't. The one in Nairobi, you know, did fare a lot better, but uh, Mombasa, were, you know, really struggled. And so they sort of said, "Look, I'm sorry, we cannot afford to continue to hire um, expat teachers." Um, you know, we were brought in. There were three of us uh, expat teachers who were brought in to sort of help make the change uh, to modernize. Um, and so they said, "You know, at the end of the school year, I'm sorry, you know, we're not going to be able to uh, renew your contract." But they introduced me to. Uh, this is a school in uh, in Mumbai. Uh, who it was a you know again a school a school in Mumbai that was looking to establish a branch new school. So they wanted someone to come in and, uh, and you know head that up. So which was really exciting for me. In a sense, I guess <laughs> I was I was more ready uh, after that one year in Mombasa <laughs> yeah. than I, I was when I first left at Nishimachi. But the idea of being able to you know put your philosophy and your um, ethos into a school was something that I thought would be really exciting. Were you pleased with the result? Well, unfortunately, again, um, I cut short. Yeah, the, Mum the Mumbai bombings, um, because the school in, in Ahmedabad, um, Gujarat province, was supposed to be mostly there for the uh, Tata Motors plant that uh, was being built there. Uh, you know, the Indian plant, right? The in yeah, Tata uh, Indian Motor Company. Because they were also, you know, they subcontracted with uh, several European um, car parts and whatever makers, and they were bringing quite a lot of expats in to help set up the, the, the plant and, and get it going. So, you know, they needed an international school in, in the neighborhood. So that was the plan. Uh, but that was all put on hold um, with the Mumbai bombings. So I was actually fortunate that I was brought back to Mumbai because the head of the primary school there had, um, she, she had to go back uh, to Germany to, to take care of her father. Um, so I was put in as head of primary and they were just going through their IB um, evaluation and nobody knew how to do it. <laughs> Did you? Not IB evaluation, but I'd, I'd been chair of the CIS accreditation at Nishimachi, and I'd been on the you know, WASC committee before that. So the authorization and the accreditation, uh, they're almost the same. You know, there are okay. standards and practices, and you, know, you, you look at the standard and the, what are the practices that you need to show, and what is the evidence that you have to show that you're meeting the standard or not. So, uh, you know, I, I, so I was, uh, in a sense, they were very, very happy that I had this experience because then you know, I, I could really help them um, do, get all of the documentation because when I got there, there was almost nothing. You know, they, they'd started the process, but you know, they really hadn't organized it. They didn't have, the, you know, in many of the cases, they didn't know what, what evidence, you know, what am, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to show? Um, yeah, so we sailed through that um, evaluation. But <laughs> the owner of the school, um, 
was Indian, and um, he had told me he'd, um, <laughs> he told me that um, anyway he, to he when he told me that the the plant uh, in Ahmedabad was going to be stopped. He said, but, you know, so I want you to come to Mumbai, I want you to be the head of the primary school um, and, and help with the um, IB evaluation. Um, but then, you know, next year I will make you head of school because the current head of school is, is retiring at the end of the year. So I, I thought, oh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, and it, it was a nice school, um, not too big um, and, you know, all IB. Uh, I'd really got into the, you know, to the IB philosophy um, even though, uh, as I said, uh, we did the international primary school curriculum in, uh, in Kenya, but we were also looking at, um, at implementing IB in middle school and, and, and diploma, which was another thing that secondary school was really worried about. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway the, um, so I, I went for drinks with the, the head of school uh, a week or so after I'd been brought back to Mumbai and said, so, you know, what is your, uh, what are your plans for retirement then? He said, oh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I'm, I'm not going to retire for another four or five years yet. And I'm thinking, what are you just doing with yeah, well, what's going on here? So I didn't, of course, I didn't say anything to him. Okay, right. But it was so typical of this guy, the owner, Dr. Sarda. Yes, you found out later. Yeah. You didn't know that at that time, obviously. Well, I mean, I, I had... Rumors, suspicions, suspicions okay. yeah. But they, they all panned out to be true. Yeah, so I, I just sort of, you know, I said, okay, well, I, I will I will do the rest of the year, but um, <coughs> I'm not going to, you know, I, I will look for something else. Did you? Yeah. And what happened? So then I got the offer to establish a, a new sister school in China. Okay. So very sort of similar situation, but this time it, it worked out. Um, so I established well, Changsha West Academy and Nanchang International School basically at the same time and then um, got them through IB, PYP authorization, CIS accreditation and you know, well on the way to um, MYP and DP um, set up and figured that, okay, now was a good time to leave. <laughs> okay, and then what did you do after you left? So I retired? moved to Hong Kong to okay. set up another okay. new international primary school. To do the same thing? Same thing, yeah. Not, I didn't do a CIS there because I didn't think it was. It, it, CIS is good for secondary schools um, because you know when children are applying for universities, if if it's an accredited school through WASC or CIS or something like that, there it's it's more highly regarded. Um, so, but for primary school, it's not necessary. So, got them through PYP, you know, authorization in a record, you know, within the second year. What does it usually take? It usually takes two to three years. Okay. And they say that a, a new school has to have been in, op in, in operation for a full school year because before they can even apply uh, to start the process. But, but you did it from the beginning, boom, yeah, in yeah. two years. Within the, within the within second two, year. So it was actually wow. a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. That's good. And then did, is that when you retired after that? Yeah. Um, so you at said, the hey, beginning of the pandemic in So you had the mic in your hand like this and you just kind of dropped the mic after you finished? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> you know, the pandemic started, you know, the beginning 2020, of 2020. Right, right. And, um, and you'd, you'd already got your accreditation by that time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I was sort of thinking, um, well, you know, I, 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 at that time, I, I wasn't sort of intending to, you know, to retire just yet. I was sort of thinking another couple of years. Um, but then, um, 
yeah, with the pandemic. Nasty in a couple of years. The end, uh, the end did not look as if it was going to be in sight. Um, January, February, and changes, to, you know, to the restrictions and the, the, you know, the requirements from the Education Bureau and the requirements from the, the charity organization I was working for. It, it was just like, uh, I, this is, so I decided, uh, look, you know, at the end of the year, I'm going to retire. Um, so, you know, we put out an advertisement for a new head of school, hired somebody, um, but then July came and he couldn't arrive. I couldn't retire to Thailand because the borders were still closed. So um, I not really so reluctantly <laughs> agreed to stay on through August, September and October, you know, one month at a time um, until everything panned out. The new principal came at the end of September. Um, so we had about a month sort of handover uh, time, which, which was good. Um, but we still had a year more of COVID. Yeah, well, Except but then everything being closed. the borders opened in Thailand at the beginning of November oh, 2020. So I was able to leave Hong Kong and um, and retire. I got a uh, I bought a, a visa, 20-year visa in, for Thailand. So what does present day see David Priest doing? What are you doing now to, to occupy? Apart your from country? sitting here talking to you, <laughs> whatever you want to. Yeah, <laughs> well, pretty much yes. Um, Do you have any projects? Planned? Well, I, I'm I still um, I'm still registered with the IB. So I'm um, a school, I, I read their app, you know, schools apply for um, authorization, you know, so they have to submit a lot of documents. And so I, I read through all of those and sort of check if everything is okay or not, okay. Um, give feedback if necessary. Um, also schools that are going through um, the authorization process, there's what is called a, um, an authorization visit and then five years later an evaluation visit. So I'm a team leader, so I lead other people and we do the evaluation or the accreditation. So I've, I've done a number of those. And I'm also a consultant. So I'm actually consulting for two preschools in Tokyo. Uh, you know, they are applying for PYP authorization. So during that process now, um, the IB appoint um, a, consul a consultant, so I work 20 hours consultancy online, remote consultancy, plus I have to do a, a two-day on-site visit. Um, so next year probably I, I will come to Tokyo twice uh, for because that purpose. Two schools. Yeah. Right. So, so you're accredited for how long? How long does the accreditation last? Well I've just done the re, my uh, upskilling it's called, um, okay. because they're... It's called what? Upskilling. Upskilling, Up, okay. Yeah, to skill, you know, yes. because they, they have, well, <laughs> They're called the 2020 standards and practices because they were supposed to start in 2020. But of course they didn't because nothing Ooh. happened. So they've actually, they're only just starting now. So new schools that are applying for IB authorization now have to follow the 2020 standards and practices. Previously it was like 1997, 1994 or something. So I, I've done the training for the new standards and practices. Mm -hmm. Um, even though the two schools that I'm consulting for are still using the old standards and practices. Is this a yearly basis or what? How long do you get to...? Um, no, I mean... Um, you're accredited, right? So you're accredited to be able yeah. to teach this or to observe the schools and see if yeah, they meet all and the report, requirements. Yeah, uh, and complete all now the how reports. How long do you have that authorization to be able to do so? Um, I guess, I, I don't know. I don't think there is a necessarily a, a time frame. But you need to be up to par with whatever the yeah. standards have changed to. Yeah, yeah. And do they change them regularly, yearly? 
Well, like I said, I think the previous ones were 1994, 1997. So I think every you know five years, ten oh, years. I see. I see. So I, I probably not going to do it again. Okay. You don't think so? Uh, I don't You're know. Still a young man. Man, you got so much I time left. 65 next month. Oh my goodness! Congratulations! <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah. There's a question I like to end my podcast with. Yeah. If you were able to go back in time and meet the 20-year-old David Priest, what advice would you give him knowing what you know now? I don't know that I would make many changes. Um, you know, because I think we, we talked about it, you know, in before. Things that have happened in the past are in the past. So, you know, it's really hard to know, okay, if I did something differently, what? You know, I, who knows where your, you know, your, your path career would have gone. Um, I, I think, had it been earlier, um, you know, the choice of subjects in secondary school, I would have you know, done something a little bit different from that. And I think, um, yeah, I think one other thing that perhaps I would have done is to have left Nishimachi earlier. Um, you know, I, I sort of, I just, I guess I wasn't brave enough to, you know, just to apply for jobs abroad and, and, and go for it. I think if I had done that a little bit earlier, I would have loved to have come back and been head of school at Nishimachi. David, I yeah. want to thank you so much. You're welcome. Fantastic. Yeah. All of you watching this podcast, make sure that you press like and subscribe. And remember, it's all unknown, so reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>